For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the newest episode of Going Long. I'm your host, Zach Neal. Today, I'm thrilled to bring on Mike Jorgensen, who many of you know as Jorgie. He is the color analyst for Oregon football games alongside the legendary Jerry Allen. We've been doing it for 33 years together, a former Oregon quarterback, one of the nicest guys in the business, and a very close personal friend of mine. We are going to break down what we saw on Saturday at the spring game and talk about some of the things that we are most excited about going into the 2023 season. This is a great episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. Thank you guys for tuning in. Let's get into it. All right, it is about 5.30 on Monday night as we record this. We've had about 48 hours to process what we saw at Oregon's spring game on Saturday. I've got Jorgie here with me. I'm thrilled to have him on. For those who don't know, Jorgie and I actually go way back. He was actually the man that officiated my wedding a few years back, so I'm thrilled to thrilled to have him on the podcast and be able to talk about some Oregon football. So, Jorgie, thank you for coming on. How are you doing? The Reverend Jorgensen, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That was fun. That was fun. It was an honor to do it. Yeah, that was good memories. So uh, you obviously, I think I don't think I need to introduce you to many Oregon fans. Anyone who knows the Ducks knows Jerry Allen and Georgie. They listen to you guys, you know, every Saturday in the season. This is what your thirty third season. Is that where you are yeah. now? Yeah, thirty three years. Wow. Yeah, Jerry's got I think three years on me. I think he's going to be entering his thirty six. But we've been together for thirty three years doing this. Seen a lot of football. A lot of good football. That's for sure. Yes. Does it does it ever get old at any point? Are there are there no. days where it, it really wears on you? No, no, not at all. Not not at all. I mean it's it's just obviously they've been really good for a majority of those years and you know, you just you, you see coaches come and go. Uh you know, in our first twenty, twenty five years you didn't see a whole lot of coaches come and go. So that was pretty special. And that seems like a something of the past nowadays. Uh, but it's that way with players too, right? With the transfer portal and NIL and Everything else about the time you get to know them now, after a year or two, it seems like they're on to something else. It's very rare that it happens that way. But, you know, the away games, being around the coaching staff and the student athletes that are the players and sports staff and a type of deal, it's been it's been quite a ride. It's, I hate to say that it's 33 years, Zach, because I know I'm getting on the backside of it. And when that day yeah. gets here, boy, I'm going to miss the heck out of it. But for right now, we're going to keep having a lot of fun. There's no doubt about it. So before we get into the spring game, quick question that just came into my mind. Does the you talked about the coaching changes over the years. How has that really made your job? I don't know if I want to say more difficult, but just different because I at one point you can say, "Hey, there's fresh new topics every few years that you get to to meet these guys and learn new things." Where the old coaching staff, I mean, it you kind of ran out of things to to talk about unless you're talking about the players. So have you noticed how that's changed your job? Um, you know, I wouldn't say that necessarily. It just takes time to build trust, you know, in, in any type of relationship, uh, whether it be a broadcaster, media, you know, coaching staff type of relationship. I th- I'm sure you've learned that being in this business now for a while is it takes coaches and uh, players a little while to adjust to your face and who you are and what you represent and the questions you're going to ask and how to prepare for the type of questions. And it's the same with us. It's you know, sometimes Jerry and I have a lot more involvement, and Joey as well, uh, with the coaching staff, whether it be at, at charitable events or recruiting dinners or other things like that, where we're helping MC or helping do interviews or stuff like that. But it still is about trust. And, you know, when you have a, a coaching staff there for 15, 20 years, the first 15, 20 years of me doing this, they were guys I played for. I mean, the coaching staff were the coaching staff when I played in the early 80s. And so you had already built up that that trust and that camaraderie. So when it was a full makeover of a lot of the staff, it was, uh, 
it was difficult. It was it was different because we'd never really experienced it before. But uh, as with anything, you do things the right way. You do the right thing. You represent yourself right, just like the coaches do. Uh, you build that trust pretty quickly. And uh, so it's, you know, we've, I think we've gotten used to it now. Definitely. We're going to get a lot more into the, uh, the details, the detailed analysis of the spring game that we were both at on Saturday. But I just wanted to start with kind of your overarching opinion. What did you leave Austin Stadium on Saturday evening kind of thinking about what you saw that day? No, you know what? I thought I saw some defensive improvement. And, I, and that seems to be the headline of, of whatever I read. And I just uh, I saw defensive improvement overall um, in that game. Now, I know that you, you split the teams, you split the offense two ways. And so you've got, you know, you don't have your first five or six offensive line line playing together. So to establish a run game, let alone to protect the quarterbacks in that game was kind of tough to do. They let the officials, I'm glad, let some plays go so that even though it probably would have been a sack, they allowed the, the play to continue on in, in that type of deal. But most of the time it felt like the defense uh, was making the plays uh, either mm-hmm. defensively in the linebackers, the defensive line putting the pressure on the quarterback or really shutting down the run. I mean, you know, again, when I see the longest run from scrimmages, 14 yards, we're not used to seeing that uh, even in scrimmages, uh, even in practices. So overall, I just thought the defense uh, um, jumped out a little bit more than the offense did, but there were plenty of plays there offensively to look at too, from the wide receivers, some late uh, scoring passes from Ty Thompson, uh, you know, was waiting to see Tez Johnson make a play or two because I think he's going to be somebody that people really enjoy. And frankly, when he catches the ball, hold on because he can do a lot yeah. of different things. But to answer your question, more defense than offense. I thought the defense looked really good. Absolutely. So what we're going to do is we're going to kind of run through the the position groups here and don't have to go too in-depth on any one of them, but just kind of talk about, you know, players that stood out and, and things that you kind of remember. So let's start at the quarterback position. Obviously, you know, we didn't see a ton from Bo Nix, but it's the spring game. I don't think you're going into it expecting. Actually, he did throw, what was it? I think 40 pass attempts, which is probably double what I thought he would have thrown when yeah. played deep into the fourth quarter, which was surprising. But I think the quarterback to really talk about is Ty Thompson. And we've had discussions off there outside of practice before about him. Uh, overall, I was pretty impressed with what we saw, which was, you know, that's a, a strong statement considering how it started. I mean, he was yeah, one yeah, for eight I, I to think, start the yeah. game and yeah. had several three and outs and didn't look good. So um, I'm just curious what you kind of saw and how impressed you were with his growth throughout the game and to turn it around. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say the first half was probably one of his better halves that he's had. I, I, not that either quarterback had a great game, below 50% pass completions and that type of deal. He had a couple of big plays towards the end. But, you know, it, it's just the consistency piece of it, I, I think, more than anything is – uh, what what I'm hopeful to see from from Ty being in the in the program now, you know, three years, uh, a different offensive coordinator, but I think a lot of what uh, Will Stein does and and what is left over from last year's offense have been blended together. So there's some new, there's some old, but regardless of that, the consistency is what I what I'm hoping to see from Ty Thompson. The arm is there. Um, we we all know that the the physical pieces are there. Uh, but, you know, again, in, in, from a standpoint of making decisions uh, when things begin to happen really fast, when that pass pocket begins to close around you, making that decision or when you, when you run for your life, when all of a sudden the, the blocking breaks down, knowing what to do with that or if there's nothing there, throwing it away. You just want to see consistency from him. But, uh, you know, I, I, th- I think he's getting there slowly but surely. And I think he's got an opportunity to, to really make an, make an impact. Um, it always helps too, Zach, for either quarterback in this game. When you have a running game that mm-hmm. creates some problems for the defense, it sure opens up the pass game too. Now, we know Ty Thompson had a couple of big plays, one to Tess Johnson. Um, gosh, the other one I think was to was uh, Chris Hudson. I guess it would have been, mm-hmm. yeah. He had two big pass plays that made up a – a lot of his passing yardage got him into uh, touchdown position on one of them. The other one went for a touchdown to Tez Johnson. So he made the big plays when they were there. He put the ball right on the money when it, when that opportunity was there. But consistency, I think, is going to be the thing for him, uh, just making those good decisions and getting a full offense around him sometime uh, that's the full offensive line, a Terrence Ferguson at tight end, maybe your first-team guys. You know, so you all of a sudden have a run game from Bucky Irving and Whittington 
it makes the quarterback's job a lot easier when you got to keep that defense honest. Definitely. I think that for the first time in his career at Oregon, he kind of showed that there is something there. And I mean, fans for a long time since he's been here have really wanted to believe that he could be that next guy, but we haven't really seen it on the field yet, whether it's in spring games or, you know, the few, the limited action he's seen in actual games. But um, even after that start throughout the second half, I mean, I kept kind of reminding myself that yes, this is a really talented quarterback and he's starting to put it together. It feels like it's coming together and he's got the benefit of time on his side. Um, I mean, yeah. knock on wood, we, we hopefully won't see him this year unless it's in blowout situations. Um, but he, I think a year from now, next spring game, it'll be one of, I mean, he's going to be really competing for that job with either Austin Novosad, whatever true freshman quarterbacks they bring in and maybe some transfer portal guys. So I was just impressive to see that, you know, I think he left with some, some real confidence that he needed. Yeah, Zach, I think the other thing, too, is it's so easy if all of a sudden you're struggling in the first half that you just try to get through the game and get on to the next practice. And and he fought through it. I, I thought that was the other thing I was really impressed with is uh, that last drive of the first half when they weren't able to punch it in for a touchdown or even attempt a field goal for some points. Uh, they they opened up that second half and, and really kind of picked up right where they left off at the end of the first half with two quick store, scoring drives, a couple of big plays to get him in position for those points and had the lead there for a while. So for me, just to see him fight through some struggles in that first half, uh, that's sometimes half the battle or three quarters of the battle is when you struggle putting that last drive or putting that last play or putting that last pass behind you if it didn't go the way you wanted to. And I thought he did a nice job of that. So, you know, I was really impressed with that piece of it all the way down to the end with the touchdown pass at, on the last play of the game. I agree. Let's move on to the running backs. There's a, uh... Honestly, not too much to take away from the running backs. Like you said, the running game was not incredible. I think I want to personally attribute that more to the defensive line than than anything. I know, like you said, the offensive line, it's kind of mismatched. You've got it split into two teams. So um, there's not the consistency across the offensive line where you're going to get a really strong running game. But um, in my mind, I, find, I thought Dante Dowdell played really well. He had that 13-yard run where... I actually posted the highlight onto Twitter today because he, if you haven't gone back and seen that long run of the game, man, it's impressive. He he bulldozes through the line and just hits Jeffrey Bossa right in the middle, and it takes about five or six players to bring him down. So um, what did you think from the running backs on Saturday? Well, I mean, again, underwhelming just because there was no big plays and because of the of the combination of, of offensive linemen along with a couple of offensive linemen I don't think we saw out there in Harper and 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 so, you know, they were a little bit shorthanded as well if you want one complete unit together. But, um, you know, I, again, I, I think Dante Dowdell, that's one of the guys that uh, I wanted to see, and I'd love to see him get in the open field in a foot race of about 30 or 40 yards too just to see what that overall speed is because at 215 pounds, if you want to take him on below the waist, you're going to get punished. And then he's only going to physically get stronger and stronger and and just smarter as a running back with the more repetition. You know, 15 practices, uh, including the one after the spring game, isn't a whole lot. That's not a whole lot of practices to get in. I mean, you think about that in the fall, that's three weeks of practices, and they still have another 11 or 12 weeks beyond that before the season ends of five practices a week. So for him and for a lot of the young guys at other positions that we'll get a chance to talk about, it's repetition, repetition, repetition. The more reps they get, like a Whittington, like a Bucky Irving, uh, the better they're going to be. Even Jordan James has learned real quick what those mm-hmm. reps mean. And I think that's going to be the same with Dante Dowdell and, and with Lamar, too. The more reps they get, the better they're going to get. But uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, Dante Dowdell is going to be a load for people to tackle as he uh, gets more plays under his belt and gets a little more experience going. Definitely. Let's move on to the receiver. There is, there's definitely a lot to get here. Why don't you start? What did you take away from this group today? Because they were, they were pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when you, you, you look at your core group of, of Hudson and Franklin, uh, you know, being the main two, obviously, that are back in that type of deal. But, you know, Kyler Casper, who's here for a second year, and I think is kind of an intriguing big receiver that uh, not only has great hands and, and good speed, but he's going to be a factor when you get inside the 10-yard line. You feel like almost you got that jump ball guy like Stanford always had. Uh, but, you know, Tess Johnson, obviously, we, we've talked about him, and uh, and he's been talked about a lot this spring. He's a very explosive player, really good hands, 
Um, and he showed that in the scrimmage with taking a pass over the middle, getting to the sideline, and then just having a guy completely whiff at the five-yard line. He's a dynamic player that they'll use in a lot of different positions. I think they're going to be able to run a lot of those tunnel and bubble screens with him if they can get that ball out quick enough like Bo Nix does. Um, I think he's going to be um, a, a real factor. And then Trayshawn Holden. I think when you all of a sudden when you take – Hudson and Franklin and Holden and you put them in there as a group or you put in Tez Johnson and mix him in. And frankly, frankly, I, I've seen some glimmers of Justice Lowe. Uh, he's yeah. going to be a he guy. Was surprising. Yeah. Yeah. I think good. he's going to be a guy. Watch out for him. I just mm-hmm. I've seen some little glimpses of things from him in practices throughout the spring where you go, wow, that guy can play. And I think yeah. he's going to be a factor as time goes on. So, you know, keep an eye on him. I think he's going to get, a, you know, the younger guys, we'll see what happens with, with Cozart and, and some of the others. And obviously, Jerry on Dickey coming in. I'm excited about that. I want to see what he looks like when he gets here. He's not here yet, though. So he's going to have a little bit of catching up to do. But, again, that core group of wide receivers, I think, is really good. Deep threat. Um, Troy Franklin's a guy that you got to worry about if you're a defense when he comes up the line of scrimmage. you got to figure out where he is. And you always want one of those alphas at the wide receiver position where everybody has to worry about him. The more you get, the better, but he's at least one of them. Yeah, it was, um, I was writing on Ducks Wire today. We had a, a piece projecting kind of the, the offensive depth chart after the spring game, just based on what we learned and, and going forward. And when I was doing the depth chart for the receivers, it's like, I don't know, man. I mean, you got Troy Franklin at the top, but behind that, you could really tell me a lot of things because on top of those guys that you mentioned that they've got on top of Tez and Treshawn and Chris Hudson, who I want to talk about, they're potentially bringing in at least one more guy and potentially two more guys via the transfer portal too. I mean, you feel confident that USC transfer Gary Bryant is probably going to commit to the ducks in the next couple of weeks. It'd be more of a shock if he doesn't than if he did. And then UTSA wide receiver, Zachary Franklin, who is, you know, one of the best transfer portal players in the market right now. Will Stein coached him for three years at UTSA, and his career took off once he got under Will Stein's tutelage. So I would be shocked if they didn't at least reach out to him and see if, if he wanted to come to Eugene too. So uh, by the time we get to fall camp, this room, I mean, it's already pretty stacked with talent. It could be one of the best out West. So um, I, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. But the guy who I think impressed me the most that I wasn't ready for on Saturday was Chris Hudson because he was a guy I know that I've talked to several people where it's he, I think he had a frustrating year last season. He didn't get any into the end zone at all. He had a couple of, you know, long, long receptions that got stopped just short of touchdowns, but I didn't know how he fit into this new offense because of the other guys that came in. It kind of felt like Tez Johnson or Trayshawn Holden might phase him out a little bit. I wouldn't have been shocked to see him enter the transfer portal, but he stuck around and then he had arguably the best day of any receiver at the spring game. I think he had, let's see, five catches for 143 yards and one touchdown, almost two touchdowns if he took that uh, 70-yard reception past the two-yard line and into the end zone. I know that was very classic Chris Hudson move to get stopped short just of the end zone, but um, I was I was really encouraged by what I saw from him and interested to see how the offense is lining up these receivers together because I know you talk about players on you know yellow team or green team, but they had Tez Johnson and Chris Hudson lining up together a lot, and that's not just in the scrimmage. We've seen that in practice. We've seen that in scrimmages this fall so or this spring so far. So, um, you know, they they like what they have in him, and they're utilizing him. So I'm just – I'm very curious to see over the next three months how this wide receiver group, you know, builds out because there's more guys to come. They've got some really good guys here. They're going to be really – there's some, some big mouths to feed, and I don't know, yeah. the target share is going to be interesting to see how that breaks out. Really happy to see Chris Hudson keep battling, too. I mean, that's yeah. again, like you said, it's a guy who could have gone, you know what, they're, they're just stacking this room. I'm going to go someplace else where I can catch 40, 50 balls and score a bunch of touchdowns. And, and he might be able to do that in this offense as well. But one of the things he's done uh, is he's just he can he's continued to battle and fight through it. And, and not, not just fight through it, but become one of the mainstays in that offense. And that's what I just, you know, sometimes it takes a break through like that to be able um, to prove it to yourself that, you know what, I need to stay the course and work this thing out. And, you know, if the room is full, I'm going to compete. 
And if I'm competing and I'm playing and I'm getting balls thrown to me, that's a good sign. And I think it's a good sign for the Oregon offense and the team as a whole that Chris Hudson's uh, doing what he's doing right now. And I I think he's going to have a really good season this year. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I hope so. On to the tight end room. There's not too much to talk on because, obviously, there's only two healthy scholarship tight ends. Uh, to me, Kenyon Sadiq looks pretty solid. I think he showed potentially had one drop on a third down over the middle. You would like to see him catch that, but you know, a, a couple catches, you know, he, he looked big and physical, but he looked like a true freshman. Um, what'd you see from him? What'd you think from uh, Patrick Herbert? Well, Patrick Herbert's just been steady Freddie uh, all spring yeah. long, uh, you know, nothing overly spectacular, uh, but at the same time, just consistent, consistent, very good blocker, consistent hands when the ball comes to him, consistent route running, uh, he knows the offense really well, um, you know, and that's what they've gotten out of him as a guy that they can really count on playing and play out to 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 make the the the, the main play that you got to make. And every once in a while, with his athletic ability, he's going to make some spectacular ones too, just like Terrence Ferguson has had because of his athleticism. Uh, with Sadiq, I I'll tell you what he is going to be in time is a mismatch at that position. Because he's really a big wide receiver in a tight end's body. And so right now he's a tweener. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's a matchup problem if you want to play one-on-one with him, either with a strong safety, but particularly with a linebacker, which is usually what the, the man-to-man matchups get to be in certain situations. Uh, but when he gets to be 235 or 240, and they'll get him up there on that piece of it, maybe even another 20 pounds up above his 225, um, he's going to become an effective blocker. You have to honor the blocking, but he becomes that that receiver mismatch because of his speed. I just I I, I love the body on that guy. I love how smooth he is. Um, he's going to be a problem to a lot of teams in the in the coming years, maybe as early as this fall, depending on how his body develops this summer. Um, but he's to me right now he's the the fastest. I wouldn't say best athlete because Terrence Ferguson's a pretty good athlete. Well, look at the <laughs> basketball player and the football player and everything else yeah. he could do at, you know, 6'5 uh-huh. and, and 240 or 245. But Kenyon Sadiq's not far behind. And, again, just having the steady Freddie Patrick, Patrick Herbert, I think when you get that trio all together and, and hopefully a, a healthy Ferguson sooner than later, um, it's the type of group that you want to rebuild. And, and obviously they got a transfer from Mississippi too coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to help with another big body from mm-hmm. a standpoint of blocking. And let, let's see if he's a pretty good receiver. We'll find out. In Absolutely. Time. Yeah. I think that, I think probably the best play that Patrick Herbert made was not a reception on Saturday. It was on Tez Johnson's touchdown when he was field. out lead blocking, had the, the go ahead block there to get him. And that was just, yeah. those are the things that you love to see your players do. Just the gritty yeah. work. The, yeah. The, the not the work that won't be famous. I can still picture Zach. I can still picture DeAnthony Thomas in the yeah, Rose Bowl against absolutely. Wisconsin going down the, the sideline. And obviously not a whole lot of people threatened him. But when they did, David Paulson, the tight end, is running stride for stride all the way down the mm-hmm. sideline with him. And that's what that just reminded me of when you were describing it. So that's a that's a perfect comp. I think there's a lot of David Paulson and Patrick Herbert and vice versa. They're they yeah. feel like similar tight ends to me. Um Let's go on down to the offensive line. It's a little bit tough to read this group, like we've said before, when you got you know the first team split in two. I think the the green team had, I think I parsed it out to about three projected starting offensive linemen. Yellow team had two of them, but then you got a lot of backups in there and a few walk-ons playing. So I thought Josh Connerly looked good. I think Johnny Cornelius looked good. Um, there were notably no snap problems, no centers, uh, quarterback exchange problems with Jackson right. Powers Johnson, which we had seen a little bit this spring. So that was something we wanted to watch. But um, yeah, overall, what do you think? Um, just solid. I thought they were real solid. Again, I just I, I really look forward to seeing a cohesive group together when fall gets here, when you really start to sharpen things up and, and dial things in and work as a consistent group and the communication that takes place, you know, it's 
what what made Oregon's offensive line the last couple of years prior to this year so good is not only were they good players, and we saw a couple of them got drafted into the NFL in, in the later rounds, but still yet drafted, and it's tough to get to that point. Um, they were just such a – the chemistry was unbelievable. Uh, they never would have to hardly communicate. They would at times. Obviously, good offensive lines do it. But even if they didn't say a word, everybody knew what everybody was going to do. Mm-hmm. And with Forsyth at the center position and Jackson Powers Johnson, I think is going to be a tremendous center as time goes on. I think he's already getting there pretty quickly. Um, it's the chemistry and the cohesiveness of a solid group of five or six, seven. I know the coaches would probably like to get to seven or eight deep, but that starting five, the more they play together, the more repetitions they have together, um, the more it becomes the same group doing the same thing play after play, week after week, game after game, you're going to see this very talented group blossom. I mean, you mentioned some of them. You know, I mean, Harper obviously didn't play. You got, um, you know, guys like Connerly and Jackson Powers Johnson that are pretty good athletes and, and a couple of the, the transfers and that type of deal and, and some young guys mm-hmm. coming in too. To me, it's a matter of I'm excited to see them when they come together as a group. I thought they did a nice job on Saturday given the situation of having to split them apart. Uh, but I'm really excited to see them when they come together with their five, six, or seven that are going to play week in and week out. I think that'll re- really that'll really tell us what this team is about, how they play in the trenches, because they were a key to Oregon's success all season long last year. Absolutely, and that unit—I mean, just the player by player, not as a unit. There's so much talent. I mean, you you've got so many guys that it's it's easy to see and to call them starters. I think that mm-hmm. they've got probably six or seven guys right now that win healthy, they do feel like they could all be starters. But um, like you said, with last year's, you know, what was the stat about last year's unit? I think they had 700 snaps between them all that they'd all played on the same time. I forget. I'm pulling that off yeah. the top of my head, but yeah, something, like that. something crazy like that. And so I don't know that this unit will ever get there, but because that's not many units ever do get there, but yeah. um, like you said, it's, they've got some to strive for because that there's a, a hard, a high bar to clear for them to, to yeah. get to where this team was last year. But I think they could do it. They've got a lot yeah. of talent. They've got really great coaching as well. I mean, I don't know if I'll ever in my career again see uh, an offensive <laughs> line where they give up five sacks. And, you know, I, oh. I know that Bo Nix's athleticism had a little bit to do with that, but at times it had nothing to do with it. Yeah. It had to do with how good those guys blocked and the blitzes that they picked up and uh, just even their man-on-man blocks and, and having some tight ends that could contribute to it too and that type of deal. I mean – I just I don't know if they can duplicate that again. I hope they can, but at the same time, it's going to be tough to do. But this group has the makings to do it. All right, let's flip sides of the ball, stay in the trenches, then talk about the defensive line. Uh, what do you see from there? Well, I tell you what, when you had uh, when you had Taki Taimani, uh, Dorless, Rogers, mm-hmm. uh, along with the linebackers that were. Popo. Yeah. Wasn't it wasn't it Justin Jacobs and Bassa and Bassa, Devin yeah, Jackson? I mean, all, all of a sudden you had Jamal all those Hill. guys. It yeah. almost wasn't wasn't fair, uh, yeah. you know, from a pass rush standpoint. Mace Funa was it? Was Mace Funa on that same team? I don't I don't know if he was or not. I honestly he, don't remember. Obviously he was he on down three balls. He was on green did. teams. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think he was on the green team because Ty Thompson yeah. tried first play of the game. It was almost a Gosh, rerun of the Washington that's first State play of the game. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I, yeah. I think one of the things, Zach, that really helps those guys out this year is not only are, are they talented and, you know, we didn't really have a chance to even see Jordan Burch do what he's going to do. I don't think – I think they just told him, hey, just let's – I don't know if they did or not, but it, it just feels like they told him, hey, just don't get hurt. You know, yeah. <laughs> we yes, need you absolutely. to fall. We don't need you to make sacks in the spring game. But the depth is what I <laughs> see. You know, I mean – you know, you got Popo Amavai back, and and I, I think that uh, Taki Taimani looked like he was a lot more active, at least in this game, uh, than I've seen him in a while. You got some established guys like uh, Mace Funa and, and and Dorless and Casey Rogers, who I really think played a great second half and last quarter of the season last year is when he really came on. I was so glad that he stayed for that North year. Carolina game. Yeah. He may have saved the game with uh, being able to get the quarterback down near the goal line and catch him from mm-hmm. behind. But he's just played such such solid football uh, down the stretch that, you know, to me it's the depth at that position that's really going to help out this defense because um, if they play well and I think they have a, a high level of group of players, it takes a lot of pressure off the linebackers. 
because that's the group right now that I think is has some good players, but it's not very deep. And, mm-hmm. and it, that's going to have to be a position when you sit there and look at all the guys that have left, transferred away, you know, from the standpoint. And I sit here and look at my list, you know, Flo and LaDuke and Adrian Jackson and uh, Brown. And Brown, I mean, yeah. geez, it's just Sewell obviously has gone to the NFL. Navarrete is gone. I mean, there were some really good players that left and it really thinned out that room probably more than anything. But uh, uh, I thought Jeff, Devin Jackson, Franklin, when he was with Jeffrey Bossa, and that little combination of those two in, in the game. Uh, speed, they both had five tackles. Uh, they both showed up in some big plays outside with that showed the speed of catching running backs on bubble screens or swing passes or what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boss is bigger. And now with Jamal Hill being able to move over to that linebacker position and play kind of like Bossa did last year where he's mm-hmm. bigger, stronger, and yet he's a good coverage guy. Um, I think they're doing what they can do to build that room. And uh, I think it's also nice that, that Justin Jacobs has begun to get his feet under him. You know, with that injury mm-hmm. last year at, at Iowa, when he was playing at Iowa, didn't play very much football. And, and basically took a whole season off in a way because of the injury. So he was getting back into playing shape, uh, just the general feel of what it's like to be out there. And you can see him and his confidence grow uh, practice after practice after practice during the spring all the way up to the spring game. So I, I look for some big things from him too. Yeah, going on the touching on the defensive line, I, I found it interesting that you know you're not always going to get a ton of stats from your defensive linemen. We saw that in the spring game not a not a ton of tackles, not a ton of tackles for loss, but you know you don't always want that. They really did a really good job of of muddling up those running lanes and stopping the run. And you know who did get a lot of sacks is the linebackers that were right behind him. Like you said, you got Devin Jackson, you got Jeffrey Boss, you got Jamal Hill as your three leading tacklers on the game. Um, like Jordan Birch, I know he didn't do a ton. I was impressed by his first step, though. He does get off the ball pretty quickly. I know he didn't. I would love to see him. I can't wait to see him in a game when he actually yeah. gets to get after the quarterback and, and bring him down and it's not kind of just letting up halfway through his run. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that the defensive line I said earlier, I think that they're a big reason for the, the running game struggles on Saturday because I think that they looked really good. They looked really yeah. physical. And I, I, I'm excited for that unit because I know year two in the system, Dan's kind of got his guys in there now. He, he kept the guys from last year that he really wanted. He's got his, his year two recruiting class in there now. I just think it's starting to look more like the, the defense that we thought it would look like. Yeah, yeah. I think they get an opportunity. Like, to, you know, obviously one of the goals you hope of that defense, not only slow offenses down in any way, whether it be the rush defense or pass defense, but put pressure on the quarterback. Get a few more sacks and in that type of deal. I mean, I think you know, last year what was it, 18, 19 sacks in 13 games? Yeah, it was 18. Yeah. Gotta have more. I mean, yeah. more consistent pressure to make quarterbacks uncomfortable, more sacks, hopefully not having to bring the full house after the quarterback because you leave guys on an island doing that in a in a league that's gonna have some really good passing offenses. Uh yeah. But you just hope to be able to do it with a Dorless and a Birch and a Funa and some of the guys on the inside and, and make them have to keep a tight end in and, and block your four with five or six because it makes it a lot tougher to be able to complete passes downfield when you've got an extra B, DB or two to be able to cover. Uh, but at the same time, just pressure, pressure, pressure. That's what I'm hoping those guys will do. And, again, I think they got the makeup to do it, especially with, with Jordan. I think Birch is the X factor. I can't wait to yeah. see him full go. Full speed when fall gets here. I just cannot wait. Yeah, I was talking to Eric Scoble with 247 Sports last week on the podcast, and we were saying that he's, yeah, exactly. The X factor is the perfect way to say it because the Ducks need him to be good. If they're going to have the defense that they want to have and the success that they want this year, they're going to really need him to be close to the player, at least, that we think he can be because he's just, he means so much to that pass rush, and that just, that makes everything so much easier in the defense. Uh, You already touched on linebacks a little bit. Um, I just want to say that I think they were probably the most impressive unit to me. I know that the secondary was really good. We can talk about Cole Martin in particular and some of those defensive backs, but I, I really like this linebacking core. Um, they are thin. They're they're really talented, but yes, thin. I think they could still add a, a player or two via the transfer portal. We'll see. Um, and we're going to go through it and look and see who's available because the portal did close yesterday. So we kind of know what's on the table there, but um, Devin Jackson is someone who just, I was really excited yeah. to watch play and he looked really good. And he, I mean, there I was agree. some really solid, solid buzz coming out of, out of spring practice about him, that he was 
started to pick it up, started to play a little bit faster. And I mean, he's an incredibly fast guy. He ran a, a sub 10, 600 meter dash as a, a high schooler at 200 pounds, six, two, which is incredible speed. So the fact that he's started to understand it and be able to play faster, I think that he's going to be one of the better players on this defense for a few years to come. Yeah. yeah he jumped out. I mean, there were some plays that just really jumped out that he made and, and that's what you want to see because you know, those are the type of players uh, and I know we're going to talk, you know, maybe a little bit about the defensive backs, but Evan Williams mm-hmm. is one of those guys. And, but that's what I saw Devin Jackson being is like an Evan Williams, where it's just all of a sudden when they make a decision, boom, it's sudden, it's instant and impact. And they come right after it just because instinctually they've already made their decision. They've made the right decision. Now they can just play. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes when you're thinking too much, it slows you down. And those guys yeah. are getting to the point. Uh, Evan Williams because he's played so much football, but Devin Jackson, I think, because it's really starting to click. And when it clicks, you just react and fly. And he made some of those flying plays. Let's go on to the secondary then. Um, I I want to talk about Cole Martin. I'll save the Evan Williams stuff for you, but Cole Martin, I think, was probably my winner of the day. He was the guy that I was I came away from the day most impressed by because I didn't really go into the day expecting much. You know, I thought he'd be a good player. I thought he'd play here and there, but I thought he'd be a true freshman, you know, safety, nickelback. I didn't think that he'd be having these, I don't know how many pass breaks. He was registered for one pass breakup. I counted, I think, at least three when rewatching the tape. He had that one punt return that went for 29 yards. You could could argue that it would have been a fair catch or that it would have been a touchdown, but based on the rules of the spring game, I think that they called it down after 29 yards. But he was just really, really good physical uh, great pass coverage. He had a couple of hard hits, one on Bucky Irving that was really impressive. He knocked Chris Hudson out of bounds on a, uh, a deep pass play that could have been a reception. So I was just overall really impressed with him. I think that he's going to be a contributor probably as a true freshman this year. And man, that's, that's an awesome benefit for this defense because there's, you know, there's a lot of guys in that secondary, but we don't really know which guys are going to step up yet. And I think that he could be one of them. Yeah, he's got to find his way on the field. That's what I like about him. You know, it's just whether it's as a DB, whether it's on special teams, whether it's as a punt returner, uh, kickoff kickoff coverage, punt coverage, because of how hard he plays. And, and again, it's one of those ones like Devin Jackson or like Evan Williams where I sit there and I look at, at the plays that he made were so sudden. It, it was, you know, like the punt return. I mean, I know he didn't call for a fair catch. Maybe – the punt team let up a little bit because nobody had run mm-hmm. a punt back all day long and they didn't expected him to catch it. And he was going to go offense defense again, but the burst when he had that ball in his hands, the burst when he came over to make a tackle or a hit on the sideline or a defensive play, it just really stuck out. And, and I think that's, what's going to give him an opportunity to find himself on the field in a lot of positions, uh, not just defense, not just punt return, which is mostly what we saw, but special teams and, and potentially a lot of other areas. So, yeah, I think something to get excited about. I thought you were going to say Bryce Betcher. I thought you were going to Bryce talk Betcher. about your fellow South Eugenians. What a day he had, man. What a day. Huh? <laughs> yeah, he that was, was fun to right watch. was place every time. And he had a hard hit and, and, and clean Well, then he ran over right after the game, ran over and players. played baseball, so – yeah, yeah and then it. he has to go over and play a baseball game. I mean, that, that's a guy I look at. I think, geez, I want him on the field someplace just because of yeah. his effort level. Yeah, and uh, I thought he did a nice job. So, give me your uh, give me your Evan Williams spiel. Well, just what I've seen all spring from him, and for what I remember two years ago when Fresno State came to Hudson Stadium with Jay Kaner and company, and Oregon escaped in that win is uh, instincts. Um. He makes his instincts are so good. He makes such a quick decision and then he's violent when he makes the play. So all of them go together. It's not one of those ones where he gets fooled and all of a sudden he's having to stop and try to chase a guy down that's beat him by five or 10 yards because he's overcommitted or thought he read the play and all of a sudden he gets fooled. He doesn't get fooled. He's just, he is a hard nosed safety. Uh, a lot like his brother, but I think even sometimes makes that decision a quarter to a half second quicker because he might be a quarter or a half second quicker. Because and, and Bennett had such great instincts, uh, mm-hmm. but I just think Evan. Again, I, I've watched him enough on TV when I've watched Fresno State play, and it's just consistent the way he plays. Whether it's against the USC, 
Gentleman in, in the Coliseum last year. Uh, he just ball he, he balls out and just makes plays and gets after people. That's what I saw him from the get go when he got here. So I, that guy's uh, I'm really excited to see him play. Frankly, in a full speed game where mm-hmm. every time that he makes that read, he's coming up to take somebody out and doesn't have mm-hmm. to let up, doesn't have to go three quarter speed or whatever else. So he's one of my favorite new players. I'll I'll just tell you that right now. I just love I think so too. Yeah. He's someone he's always around the ball. You notice when he's on the field with the with the plays blown dead, he is always yeah. right there around the ball. We've talked before that when, you know, Oregon tweets out these these videos of practice, you know, their practice highlights and stuff like that. We like to because you know, us reporters, they don't allow us into these scrimmages in the yeah. spring and we don't get to see all the eleven eleven practice. So we kind of scrub through the little videos and we're trying to see like who's playing with who, who's doing what. And I just I've always noticed that Evan Williams is in the shot quite a bit. I mean, he's always there right there around the ball. So yeah, like you said, once you get to, to full speed and once you get someone who's playing not in a green or a yellow uniform, I just can't wait right. to see what he does. Cause yeah. Yeah, he's a really smart player and he packs a punch too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Me too. Let's get on to special teams. Not too much. I thought Camden was, you know, clearly the best as he should be. He's what fifth, sixth year in the program right now. So um, yeah, he, he should be, doing exactly what he should do. They had a chance to try a 50-yard field goal. They decided to pass on it, I think, once or twice. I kind of wish they had gone for it to see what we could do. But yeah, me too. overall, special teams I thought were pretty good. Obviously, you're you're playing to the whistle and you're not bringing them down. But um, anything stick out to you there? No, I mean, you know, obviously you're, you're hoping that you don't talk about Luke Basso or uh, Nick Dazanski, the two long snappers, two guys that you hope you never talk about. And you didn't yeah. on that day. So that's a good thing. Um, you know, I tell you, it's going to be a, a really good punt battle, I think, between Luke Dunn and and uh, Ross James. Yeah, Ross James. I, I, there was I had another somebody else in my mind, but Ross James. I think it's going to be a great battle was between those two. One of the four punters on the roster last year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just you know what I have seen from Luke Dunn, and again, it's going to be a consistency piece. I can take it out all the way back to, to you know Ty Thompson if I want, and that's the same way mm-hmm. with the punters, even though they've been in the system a little bit less time. Luke Dunn has a leg. I mean, when he hits it, yeah. it, uh, it it it's like a rocket taken off. Yeah. And, and I'm, so I'm, much I'm hang time. talking about out kicking your coverage on the line drive. It's a mm-hmm. five-second hang time, 65-yarder when he hits it. Uh, but he misses just as many as he hits. And what you're hoping is they get it to the point where it's a 75-25 type of deal versus a 50-50. And, and that's that's kind of where the two punters are right now. It's just the consistency uh, of, of, you know, a 40, 45-yard punt with little or no return is exactly what you're looking for. And then every once in a while, mm-hmm. if they want to bang one of those long ones, that's great. But consistency from those guys. And I got to tell you, I just – I love – how solid Camden Lewis is. He just, mm-hmm. man, I tell you, you can just see the confidence in that guy. There is no, nothing rattles him. It's the same routine every team, uh, every time, like a really good golfer. He approaches it. If he, if he hits it bad, he's on <clears> to the next kick without even thinking about the one before goes out and does the same routine. He is just mentally. And, and I know he really worked on last year and talked to Jerry and I a lot about, how hard he's worked to get into a mental routine of just blocking out the negative and everything else that he goes. And again, I'm not explaining 10% of it like he did to us, but <laughs> the the routine that he's gone through to get himself to where he is right now, just solid as a rock, not only as a, as a, as a good dude, but as a mm-hmm. kicker. And I, I, th- I think the best kicker in the league coming up this year and uh, potentially in the nation, I think he's got a, a chance to be able to show it. So, uh, you know, kudos to Cam Lewis. He's just solid dude, great kicker. Mm-hmm. And after all he's been through, I mean, at Oregon, it, it makes sense that he's so mentally sound. I mean, having the job, struggling, losing the job, staying, getting the job back, and then being, like you said, yeah. one of the best kickers, kickers in the league in the nation. And yeah, you said, sport. like a golfer, he's an incredible golfer too. He's I've played with him a little bit. He was actually out on the, uh, the driving range when we were out there the other day for the alumni tournament. I went on hung out with him a little bit on the driving range. So yeah, I great guy, really fun to hang out with. And yeah, just a, a really fun interview as yep. well. Um, I've got a couple of questions, non spring game related, and then we'll get you out of here. Um, one thing that stood out to me, Dan Lanning brought 
a lot of former alumni back. He's really bringing a lot of the program back. Um, this has just really impressed me. I know I'm I'm not breaking any news or saying anything that hasn't been said before, but you know his willingness to, you know, when that letter came out when he was hired, you know he he kind of took that into account. I think and has really tried hard to make sure this is the right culture and that he's bringing everyone back into the fold. I'm just curious for you as an alumni and as a former Oregon quarterback, what does that mean to you and kind of what have you seen from this process over the last two years? Well, it just feels so natural. Uh, I don't. I don't feel like Dan Lanning has come into town and somebody has had to tell him to do this. Here's what you need to do and here's how you should do it. And, you know, I know that there's been some people probably that he has sat down with and said, what's really important? What do we need to be paying attention to? Maybe what some of the previous coaches, the last two or three coaches maybe haven't paid attention to as much. But um, I think all that did was uh, help support what he already what what his philosophy already was. And it's just so natural. He's just so good with people, uh, you know, whether they be the players, former student athletes that played in the, in the sixties or the seventies or the eighties uh, or a lot of the young guys right now, it's just such a natural piece of what he does. He's engaging with everybody. Um, and, and again, just at the golf tournament out there, for example, on Friday, it was just, Great to see him engage everybody. All the coaches were out there, uh, came out and spent some time. And, and Dan, obviously, being the main one that everybody recognizes and wants to see, and he reciprocates with everybody that wants to reach out to him. He reaches right back to them. And, and I've seen him that way, Zach, at, at men's basketball games, women's basketball games, baseball games, softball games, wherever you are and you see him, he's engaging. And if he spots you, you know, like you or somebody else at one of those events, He's going to say something to you. You know, I mean, he might be talking to somebody else, but eventually he's going to get to you and he does get to you. And so, you know, it's been really refreshing. I think he's done a great job of engaging the alumni and, and the fan support, uh, and let alone the student athletes that they're recruiting. That relationship piece of it is huge to him. And he does a great job at forming those relationships. And I think that's what's going to get Oregon and, and take Oregon up another level as time goes on is how they build those relationships with him as the foundation uh, with some of the high school seniors out there. And frankly, some of the transfer portal guys coming in. <laughs> yeah, I think that's perfectly said. A lot of, a lot of football coaches preach family and preach having a tight knit group, but something about him just, it feels different. It feels genuine, which is, it's really yeah. nice. It's been refreshing to cover, refreshing to watch as a, as a fan. And it's been, it's been a fun couple of years in Eugene, and I'm sure that the future will continue to be fun as well. Yeah, me too. All right, I'm going to get you out on this one. Um, what are your kind of overall expectations going forward for the 2023 season? Do you see a, a Pac-12? I don't want you to make I don't you know, make predictions if you want to, but I don't want you to you know say oh they're going to go ten and two and they're going to go to the college football playoff. But what do you see? I mean, what's a successful year for you? What do you kind of think about this going forward? Well, I'll tell you what, it's going to be tough. I mean, Mm -hmm. with um, in the league, probably five teams that can win the conference championship legitimately. Mm -hmm. And that's hoping you don't trip up on the non-five teams, the five teams being Oregon, Utah, Washington, Oregon State, and USC. I mean, you look at Mm -hmm. those five teams and Oregon doesn't miss any of them. You know, they had to play every single one of them, two of them away, two of them at home. Um, and so that's a factor right there, let alone a tough road trip to Texas Tech early in the season with Tyler Sheck, the former quarterback here. And Lord knows that they're going to score points, and but they give up points too. So we'll see Wild West shootout in Lubbock is what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. But uh, this team has every opportunity, if they can stay healthy, uh, to win a conference championship, uh, to be in the conference championship game and, and to be in, 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 in a potential playoff hunt. I think they got all the makings to be able to do it, but – you got to have some luck. Uh, you know, Oregon was sitting in that situation last year until late in the Washington game when the quarterback got hurt. And I think that made all the difference in the world as to whether this team's played USC in the championship game at 11 and 1, a potential uh, playoff berth uh, versus, you know, finishing 10 and 3, but 9 and 3 in the regular season. And so my expectation is they got the talent to do it at all the positions. Uh, but if they don't stay healthy, it's going to be really tough to do. So um, they're every bit 
as deserving to be talked about as a potential conference champion as USC or anybody else's. They might sit outside the top 10 to begin the season, but it's going to be just outside the top 10. And you're going to play your way up. And the way you play your way up is win. Uh, you know, tough road trip at Washington. That's going to be a really tough one. A tough trip to Utah, which is always tough. USC and Oregon State at home. That being those other four teams, aside from Oregon, that I think could win the, the conference championship. And then you better maneuver the rest of them because there's mm-hmm. always a, a, a speed bump out there that sometimes you can trip on if you look past somebody to somebody else. But, uh, you know, Zach, I, I think they got a, a great shot again this year to be right where they were last year late in the season. And then let's just see what happens from a health standpoint. Perfectly said. We'll end it on that. Jorgie, thank you so much for coming on. Break down the spring game. I always appreciate it. For fans looking out for Jorgie and Jerry, I'm sure you already know where to find them on 590. Uh, you guys are doing a great job over the, uh, every game. Are you guys still doing the coaches show this year? I know that yeah. you used to do it at the cooler. Kind of Things kind of changed a little bit with COVID. How's, what's the plan with that this year? Yeah, yeah. Usually we do a coaches show every week. I think it's I can't remember if it's Tuesday nights or Wednesday nights, but uh, I think it's, it used to be uh, Tuesdays at least. I know. Yeah, basically at, at seven o'clock, and and uh, always have Dan Lanning there. He's early every time, by the way. That's another thing that's a shock for us. Is, I'm not shocked. You know, he'll walk in five minutes early sometimes, and we get a get a chance to have a conversation about nothing with the guy. Yeah. I mean, he's just that's awesome. it'll be fun. I so I hope, hope everybody tunes in when the fall gets here. All right. Well, I can't wait for that. I can't wait to have you on again sometime when the uh, when the, the season gets here around. Thank you again for uh, for coming on and talking. Appreciate it. You bet. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you again to Mike Jorgensen for coming on, taking the time to talk about the spring game with me. Thank you guys for listening and following along. If you want to check out more of my work, you can find it all at duckswire.usatoday.com or follow me at Zachary C. Neal on Twitter. We will talk to you guys next week. Until then, take it easy. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.